Okay, I'm here with Austin Zerline and Gene McGuire of Wellness Coaches USA. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. I uh, wonder if we could just start, if you could share some background uh, about your company. Sure. An interesting story. We, we uh, came into existence in 2002. Uh, we started in the injury prevention space. We had a neat idea. Austin was actually one of the first folks in to deliver the service. Uh, the service was pretty simple in nature, but it had a great impact. Uh, we thought if we could take folks with athletic training backgrounds, exercise physiology backgrounds, people with uh, solid personalities that we could trust to go into a work environment and get to know people, uh, that those people would trust these folks, uh, talk about body part pain, things that ail them, uh, with the uh, hopes that our folks would, that Austin at the time, now Austin manages all that, would be able to help them with those things, and then companies would see healthier, safer workforces, and and that first version actually actually worked. And since then, we've been tweaking it, uh, adding value to it, processes, logistics, uh, systems, controls, management. Uh, it's all trademarked at this point, and it's uh, seems to go pretty well for us. So. Uh... Uh, we, we've gotten a bunch of questions in already that have wanted to know how do we how do we get truck drivers initially engaged in health and wellness plans? Or if you could speak a little bit to that and, and about the program that that you guys uh, would set up in, in the trucking and transportation space. Sure, I'll, I'll do the bigger picture. Then Austin's really the industry expert. He can tell you about how he did it because he actually did it himself, and then he also manages people now that do it. Uh, the big picture ties to our service model. Uh, so in our world. I know this is specific to truck drivers, and we have a lot of great experience and success with them, but we built a model, a service model first, uh, that would allow us in any industry, trucking, uh, transportation, warehousing, hospital systems, nursing homes, it really doesn't matter what the industry is, although we have a lot of business in trucking, uh, to get people interested in being coached. So our whole model is a coaching model, but we built, uh, we built it top down. So in any organization, it starts with management, uh, getting them on board, helping them understand what we want to accomplish, uh, help, helping us to do that by just allowing it to happen is really important. Uh, there's a whole process and system in place to get people interested right out of the gate. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about our coaches uh, meeting the truck drivers in the right place at the right time and then having them be interested and then ask, asking for help because everything's voluntary and totally confidential. With that, Austin will fill in the gaps because, again, he did it and he manages it. Right. So it, it really starts um, after the processor set, uh, set in place. It, it really starts with the coach themselves. Um, we select the coach. Um, a lot of times we have input from the client as well. Uh, but it's really uh, the coaching models is, is really about the coach uh, and about the coach wanting to help people uh, get healthy or prevent injuries. Um, we do a training uh, that uh, starts before uh, we're even on site. Uh, but then really, once we get on site, we, we work with the client, uh, if it's a, a, a trucking company or trucking site, uh, to learn their processes because we're really – just implementing our program in there, we want to kind of become part of, uh, of what they do um, and then understand their process. Um, and then we just go out and start talking to the drivers. As Gene said, uh, we look to see what their schedule is 
and we're there uh, talking to them uh, either when their start of day uh, or at the end of their day when they're coming back off uh, off the road, uh, talking to uh, the service uh, employees that are that are on site, the staff, um, the management, uh, and uh, again, it's the fact that we're there talking to them one on one in person, um, uh, building relationships. Uh, it's really about the the truck driver in, in this case feeling comfortable with the coach uh, and the driver opening up to us uh, and telling us what they want to talk to us about what their issue is if it's musculoskeletal if it's health and wellness uh, and then we just kind of take them through that path we're a resource for them uh, on whatever they want to um, make a change uh, for themselves uh, so, you know, in, in, in theory, it, it sounds simple, uh, but we have a process in place that we've been doing uh, for, for 15 years, and, and we believe uh, it's the best in class, and, and uh, we have uh, very good results from that. Yeah, well. yeah. So I could see a situation where drivers and other employees would be very excited at the kickoff of a, a plan, as you laid out. Drivers may be on the road for long periods of time. What are some of the secrets in terms of keeping them engaged, keeping them coming back with the coach and continuing to work on some of the issues that he or she may may want to uh, attack? Well, big picture first, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the big picture is all of our coaches, we have a director of coach training and development, and all the coaches are initially trained by their operations managers. Austin is one of our senior operations folks, and they're trained on, uh, again, the relationships have to start first, but how to guide people into being interested. We get people at all stages of change. So some people may not be interested in anything. Some may already have an idea what they want to accomplish. Uh, it could be tobacco cessation, sleep issues, weight management, stress, sore shoulders, backs, knees. It's all over the board. The key is to get people engaged and by choice. Uh, so the coaches are trained on how to get people to choose something that's of interest to them getting them initially engaged, and then how do you keep them engaged, uh, there's always a follow-up. So I'll also talk about how that happens, but we never leave someone and say, see you later. It's always, what would you like to work on next? Uh, how, when would you like to regroup or get together? Would you like to talk on the phone? Would you like to, uh, would you like me to text, send you a text? Would, would you like to set up another visit when you're on your pre-shift or post-shift or when you land on the other side of the country or whatever it might be? Uh, again, Austin does all this. I want to give you the big picture, and he can give you real-life examples that any some, any of our clients that exist right now. Right. So, you know, as Gene said, you know, the follow-up is the most important part. The, the initial consult, the first time we meet the employee, obviously we want to build that relationship. But, um, you know, we don't help the employee out just with that first consult. Really, that's just uh, information for us, um, uh, learning uh, who they are and, and what their needs are. So it's really the, the, the continual follow-ups that's part of our process. Uh, and that, that's the key to, to success. So it's, it's that driver coming to us, again, after they're on the, on the road for a while, or it's us going to them, um, knowing what their schedule is, and meeting them uh, maybe as, they, as, they're, as they're checking out, as they're coming off the road, uh, maybe in, in the break room, uh, or maybe on a call, or maybe on a text as well. So it's the continual follow-up after that first interaction. So, for instance, if the first interaction is a blood pressure, well, just because we did their blood pressure doesn't mean that 
they're cured. Uh, we need to continually uh, check on them, uh, not just with the blood pressure, but once we do that, uh, that, that gives us a, a good idea of how their health is and how we need to move forward with that. If the blood pressure is high, obviously, then, then we start talking about how can we decrease that blood pressure uh, through exercise, through nutrition, uh, through uh, getting checked out by your doctor to, to possibly go on meds. Uh, so it's really about that uh, initial consult and that follow-up. Um, and then really, how do we get that, that, that driver motivated to continue that follow-up? Well, uh, you know, the coaches have different techniques. Uh, one of our uh, most effective techniques is to make it personal for that truck driver. Uh, why do you want to get healthy? Why should you get healthy? Uh, a lot of times we bring in, you know, you're the supporter of your family, uh, of your spouse, um, of your kids. So it's important for you to be healthy to continue that support. So that's one of the motivators that, that we can bring in uh, because when you make it personal for someone, a driver, uh, a desk worker, uh, then they get engaged. Then they feel the program is theirs. Yeah. It doesn't happen with everyone right away. So we've been doing this such a long time that we have uh, crafted language and you know, sequenced language to talk to people about what we're going to do, and we've, we didn't mention yet that the coaching is the most important part because it's all about relationships and trust, coaching, behavior change, and risk reduction. But in order to get there, uh, some folks are more than willing to dive right in. So you know, if we roll out a, a group with 200 lives or 1,000 lives or 10,000 lives, it doesn't really matter what the size, we'll get three or four out of 10 people interested right away, people that really want help, but there was really never anyone there to help them. And then to get the 50, 60, 70, 80%, we have, Austin's got clients that have as high as 90-something percent engagement. So we'll do things like group activities when there are, when, when we can, right? Some, some organizations can't do that, but uh, pre-shift stretching, uh, lunch and learns on stress, uh, sending out uh, information on sleep issues. We were constantly in front of people, either in group or face-to-face, -face, but not taunting people or <clears throat> stalking them. It, it's very comfortable. So people can engage whenever they want, but we give them a lot of opportunities to engage. So uh, obviously there's an initial investment for a trucking transportation for any company to set up uh, your program or any of the others out there. Can you talk a little bit about the return on investment that companies have seen? And along those same lines, could you share any any details about, in particular, some of the uh, successful results, some of the successful outcomes that sure. some of the companies have seen over the years through your program. Yeah, sure. Uh, interestingly, because we, we work with a lot of organizations all over the country now, and ROI almost always comes up, but it's funny how so many different folks measure it differently. And it's a, there's a simple definition, but in health, wellness, and safety, it, it, it can get a little convoluted. We try to keep things really simple. So ROI, uh, we typically work with organizations either uh, – with respect to safety or health, or in some cases, both. So on the safety side, it's a lot easier because there's always a baseline. Uh, how many injuries were there? How many back injuries? How many shoulder injuries? How many knee injuries? What were the reserves type of those injuries? Uh, and if, if we're, we're injected into the equation, it's not uncommon to see 40, 50, 60, sometimes as high as 70, 80% reductions in sprains and strains and those sprains and strains are obviously what lead to uh, the, the injuries and the costs. So to measure that is very easy on the safety side. On the health side, it's a little more difficult. 
because our clients have to buy into the reality that cost follows risk. So Austin's coaches measure blood pressures, they measure uh, body composition, weight, BMI. Uh, a lot of our clients do biometric screenings and health assessments annually. So in every case, our clients see significant reductions in risk each year. Cost follows risk. We don't, we don't measure the claims uh, or the utilization the clients do or their consulting partners do. But in every case, there are, there are radical reductions, and our clients are seeing pretty significant cost containment. Some are flat. Uh, some are seeing increases that are far below the national average. But in every case, there's pretty significant uh, reduction. We do provide predictive returns. So uh, the CDC is given pretty clear guidelines for what the difference is in cost from someone that's obese, let's say, and someone that's not, or someone that has hypertension and someone that doesn't, or someone that uses tobacco and someone that doesn't. And we use those as predictors, and pretty, pretty, it's a pretty common thing to see four, five, you know, six times return uh, with hard costs. And then we, we do inject the software, we call them soft, but they're really not. It's presenteeism, absenteeism, all the things that are really relevant and we do predict uh, that can take the return up to seven, eight, nine, ten times uh, uh, for every dollar that's spent. So, uh, but we don't hang our hat on just the ROI. Uh, we drive culture change. It's by relationships, uh, coaching, and risk reduction that allows that to happen. So, if there's a small uh, a small fleet that may feel now is the time that that they need to get started doing something yeah. in this yeah. area, and they might be limited in in how much they could do in a first step. What advice might you give them just uh, on even how to begin down this, uh, you know, health and wellness journey? Yeah. Well, we, we're typically, well, the folks that start with us have great results. Uh, but quite honestly, uh, we're not typically where people start. A lot of our groups have already gone down the road of doing a lot of things that are specific to health and wellness. So we're, we're the folks that usually come in and take everything to the next level. For those that have done nothing, uh, I would encourage we would encourage folks to tap into resources that they should already be getting that may they may not be getting. Their carriers, uh, both uh, their health and comp carriers, can certainly provide a lot of uh, resources to get started, at least from an information standpoint. Uh, we encourage uh, folks to lean heavily on their consulting partners. Their PNC consulting partners or their health benefits consulting partners. Uh, there, there's a lot out there from a uh, education standpoint. A lot of folks do start with education. They start with what's available to, to people to use. It may not cost anything. Uh, then, then there, there's typically a step into some sort sort of cost. On the health side, we 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 see people getting into biometric screenings on the front end, health assessments to kind of assess where people are. Uh, and then determining how they're going to have to mitigate or would like to mitigate those things. That's when we come in. So we're going to help. Again, it's all about behavior change and risk reduction. If you want to solve the problem, people have to change behavior, and we're the best option there. Uh, but certainly folks can start with a, uh, with a culture shift if they don't, haven't done that yet. It starts top down, so uh, organizations, senior leadership would have to embrace the idea uh, of moving in that direction. And then, uh, and then using those resources that I referenced first, and then migrating into uh, what we do. Gene brought up a, a great uh, point there. 
uh, top-down support is, is crucial. Um, when you have the, the top execs uh, management team that are on board for any program, if, if it's our program, if it's any program, um, that will make its way down to uh, to all the employees. Okay. Um, if you have to do it the opposite way, uh, you could see success. Uh, it'll take a lot longer to, to see that success. Um, I think some of the, the things that um, with smaller companies, uh, Gene mentioned biometric screenings, blood work, uh, bringing people in, uh, bringing companies in to do that, just to get a, an initial assessment to, to see what uh, you know, the aggregates are, but it also gives employees a, a good baseline reading. Um, and a lot of times uh, companies will rely, uh, will lean on their EAP programs uh, to, to give them some support. Uh, but as Gene said, you know, we come in after that uh, and we also tie everything together. Yeah. One of the things that we didn't, we also, you just mentioned that Austin mentioned that we don't, we haven't talked about yet is our ability to be in the center of everything. So not as a company, but the coach, when think about it, the coach's job is to get to know everyone in an organization and get them to be coached with the idea that they're going to change their behavior. And they do. We're because we have those relationships, we're able to guide people to use whatever resources exist. So if there's a clinic on site, uh, and, and we find people that need treatment. We don't treat people. Uh, we'll help them with guidance with respect to uh, managing MSDs, stretching, uh, proper use of ice, anti-inflammatories, and they'll feel a lot better and they won't get hurt. But if they actually need treatment and there's a clinic provision or if there's a, if there's, if there's a protocol in place for that, we'll get more people to use the clinic and we'll actually cross-refer. Uh, same thing with an EAP. It's, it's not uncommon to see, you know, 1% utilization of an EAP with a coach in place, it'll easily go to six, seven, eight, 12, 15%. Uh, same thing with onsite health clinics. Uh, if there's a structure in place, we're seeing a lot more companies getting into the use of incentives and disincentives uh, in a creative plan design. It's an easy thing to do, uh, but quite honestly, without the behavior change support, uh, the long-term sustained effects are, 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 are very difficult at best. All the research shows that to drive sustained behavior change, you need someone to help you, uh, eight out of 10 people actually. So the best plan design would, would be uh, to get people to do their blood work. Uh, typically takes incentives or disincentives to do that. People don't just run out to do that. Meet with a coach to understand what the results mean and then, and then give them the choice. It's, we really prefer voluntary over mandatory. Uh, we prefer private. So typically the way we operate is it's voluntary. All the information that's disclosed to the coach is, is, is extremely private and sensitive, and we don't disclose that. And that's where our, our clients are seeing the best results. Uh, one focus area today uh, for the Live on Web is on sleep apnea. Uh, you've mentioned a lot, of, uh, um, a lot of smaller steps, stretching, ice, you know, food. Would it be fair to say that a lot of those smaller steps that you've been laying out during our discussion today might be able to uh, attack sleep apnea before it occurs? I, I guess the follow-up there would be uh, for, for companies that need to think about treating and screening for it, uh, maybe because a, re a regulation may be forthcoming. Do you have any advice in that area? Yeah. The bigger picture is that you, you nailed it. We were actually going to bring it up. Uh, Austin will handle the detailed part of it, but 
all those things, not just with sleep apnea, but with sleep apnea in particular, everything's connected. Uh, so if you help someone manage their weight and their weight comes down, it will have absolutely have an effect on a lot of other things, including sleep apnea. But I don't want to steal off Austin's thunder because we talked we talked about it a little bit, and he can put it all together for you. Yeah, and you know it's you know sleep apnea obviously is is a is a huge issue that we're having with. Uh, with transportation industry in, in general, um, but it, it's not just the transportation uh, industry. I think um, you know that's where we see it more. But uh, there's certainly folks out there um, outside of transportation in every industry that, that we see sleep apnea. Um, the first thing to do is um, the, the need to recognize it. Um, you know, the the individual themselves uh, would, would would probably know what what's going on. Uh, that they're just not getting enough sleep. They're always tired. They're always fatigued. Um, and then they come to someone like us to, to talk about that. Um, or they go to their doctor to talk about that. And uh, they're able to, you know, go through the testing and get diagnosed uh, for that. Um, and then, you know, again, how we come back into it is uh, even if they get the CPAP machine or any other kind of um, aids to, to help them with sleep apnea, uh, they still have to take care of their health. They still have to lose weight. Right. They still have to um, have proper nutrition. Um, they still need to work on ways uh, to sleep better, to decrease their stress. Um, so it's not just uh, getting diagnosed uh, and then getting the machine, although uh, I've seen um, a number of successes um, with uh, folks just getting that machine, but it's also need to continue uh, with, with a proper program. Exactly. I just wanted to, uh, I appreciate the time today, just wanted to uh, end on giving you guys a chance uh, to share any other uh, health and wellness uh, coaching advice uh, that, that you may want to impart with our viewing audience today. Sure. Uh, for me, I mean, we, we, we start, as I discussed early on, nice to tie it all together, we started off by literally just finding people with great personalities, with athletic training and exercise physiology backgrounds putting in the work environments and saying, <clears throat> go get to know everybody. We found very quickly with uh, folks asking a lot of questions about not only their body part pain, but also all their health related issues, uh, that we really needed to do our homework and, and figure out the best way to help these folks. Everything pointed to coaching. So all the research shows that coaching is the best behavior change methodology to drive sustained behavior change. So we found that the majority of coaching was being done remotely, telephonically, web-based, and we found that the, the participation, the engagement rates were really, really low, uh, one, two, five percent. We typically, as I said earlier, get 80 to 90 percent engagement, uh, and it's because of this service model that we've developed. So there are other companies that do coaching, so I would encourage all the listeners to look into coaching. Uh, do your homework, find the right partner, uh, but at the end of the day, it's really about coaching a lot of people and not just a few people. And when you want, when you're, when the viewing audience wants to do that, uh, that would be us. And we really appreciate the time to talk about what we've done and what we're continuing to do. And we have a lot of you know, happy clients that are doing it. Uh, Austin's managing a lot of them. Uh, and we'd be glad to share those references if, if the viewing audience would like to uh, chat with them. Let me, let me, um, add a, a success um, and something pretty simple, actually something very simple. 
Um, one of the, the first things that we talk to employees about in any industry, uh, but especially in transportation uh, because of, uh, of nutrition. Um, if, if someone wanted to start a health and wellness program today, uh, when we do our programs, uh, we're standing in front of a, an audience or a one-on-one, -on -one, um, they always ask, well, what can I do right now? Um, my first uh, step would be drinking more water. And you see the water right in front of Gene <laughs> yeah. and I. Yeah. It's, it's very, very simple. Uh, increasing your water intake will decrease your fatigue uh, because your body will be more hydrated, your muscles are more hydrated. When your muscles are dehydrated, you're tired. You see that in athletics. Um, so that does have a, a, a big um, uh, issue, which is a big issue with, uh, right. with transportation with, with fatigue. But just increasing the water and decreasing you know, the other things, the caffeinated drinks. Um, I had a, a great success, very simple success story. Uh, I, I had a gentleman who was a driver. He drank six uh, sodas a day, caffeinated sodas a day, pretty sugary drinks. Um, he came to me and said, hey, I just want to start a program. What should I do? We talked about it learned that he has a lot of soda. So change that soda to water. And in two weeks, he lost eight pounds. Okay. Just by stopping the soda intake and by increasing his water, because all that sugar uh, is not getting burned off. And all he did was start drinking water. In two weeks, yeah. lost eight wow. pounds. And that, that's, a, that's a pretty good success. Doesn't always happen with everyone, but with this gentleman, um, and, and then he was a, a, obviously a huge supporter of the program after that and, and continued to make little changes um, throughout the time that, that we worked with him. That's very impressive. Well, um, Gene and Austin, I want to thank both of you for taking time to uh, speak with Live on Web today. I'm going to go get myself a glass of water. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you.